I mean, this is not a man who walks in and says, you can't believe what I did. We had a, we had a party for Sally <laughs> and then I, I bolted. <laughs> I, got, right. I, I ghosted. Yeah. Right. They're not yada, sharing. yada, yada. We now yeah. have a dog. Mad Men, a term coined in the late 1950s to describe the advertising executives of Madison Avenue. They coined it. There's a call for you from Six Spiderbeck. Welcome to They Coined It. Let's go. 5G. Ooh, boy. Ooh. I know. <laughs> I feel like that's always our opening. Like, whoa, that was an episode. But, uh... You know, this is, this is where I think the series, the, the rocket, is strapped to the back. And it's going into uh, into into the atmosphere. This is where um, a lot of these early themes begin to come together. It's where the plot takes off with regard to Don yes. and the central the central um, mystery of of season one is now is now beginning to happen. So this is where this is where it all begins to take shape. So yeah, so we're going to talk about. Uh, this episode and 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 what it all means, but first we're gonna kind of go over some some recent news with uh, the Madman himself, Matthew Weiner. Just to give you a little timestamp, today is uh, July 11th, so we only know what we know, which is like almost nothing <laughs> with what was released. By, uh, I'm, laugh- by, I'm laughing because, by, of course not, because any Matthew Weiner project is going to be like Mad Men and we're not going to know shit about shit. There's, he's, he's doing something. You'll see it when you see it. It could have been the press release. <laughs> But evidently, they announced a um, a deal, development deal for Matthew Weiner with FX for what they're calling, ready for it, a mystery dramedy. So, however that were, I don't know. I don't know if that means it's a mysterious dramedy. I don't know if that's a, if it's a mystery if it's a mystery with some comedy and drama. I don't know if it's all meant to be mysterious. <laughs> we can I, just, try the math all different ways. We don't yeah, know. <laughs> th- those two words together actually tell us less than if they'd said nothing. I've been thrilled with FX projects. They, they were really known as streamers with the catalogs from NBC and from Fox, and they had this multi-ownership. And now Disney, I think, is really running the ship over there at Hulu uh, with the recent acquisitions, and they're getting more into original content. So FX feeds that. You know, FX now is going to be a big feeder for Hulu content. So, you know, you'll see it on FX first. It'll probably live on Hulu after that. We'll see. But regardless, we don't even know what it is. So big kudos and congrats to to Matthew Weiner um, and to FX for for landing the big guy for his next project. But that's kind of all we got to say. There's nothing, you know. It's one of the things I was not able to capture and I really wanted to for for this podcast project was to get the original episode descriptions yeah, because right. they were I mean, an example of one. Well, f- 5G would be like um, Don has a visitor. It was insane. And it became kind of an ongoing fan joke. Uh, yeah. So this is uh, it's, I'll see you when I see you. That, that, that's that's what this is. Yeah. Uh, with, yep, yep. <laughs> with, uh, with new projects. So we, we congratulate everyone and, and uh, expect nothing until it's final. Okay, so 5G, written by Matthew Weiner, directed by Leslie Linka Glotter, who I think this is her first Mad Men directorial project. That sounds awesome. right. Uh, original air date was August 16th, 2007. And it takes place... Uh, an evening and three weekdays, all consecutive days in kind of April or May 1960. So right. 
Uh, we're still only about you know less than three months out from the pilot period, um, so kind of still condensed. Yeah, it's very it's very condensed because it was March, first half right? of so, yeah. 1960. Yeah. As the closing credits went by, I couldn't help but notice these names that jumped out at me, which was. Um, Jennifer Getzinger was the script supervisor who, who went on to be a director and is now a great director out there with projects. Robin Vyth, writing assistant. The show was such a career launcher in, in many ways, and it was uh, cool One to see. One of the best benches ever in television. Yeah. No question. Yeah. Um, you know, what I, what I noted a lot here was how narrow the actual plot of this episode is, you know, with Mad Men, you get a lot, you cover a lot of ground. You have a big footprint with lots of different stories going on and everything kind of coming together thematically here. You know, you've got kind of that side story of, of Pete <laughs> trying to get published, which is really funny and, and fun with Trudy and him and that whole wackiness. And, and dark. I'm sorry. We can get into it. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. It's dark. He's it pip- is. Pip- pimping out his wife, but dark. you know, that's, that's, that's the B story this week. Um, of of Pete pimping out his wife, uh, but for forty dollars, I would publish in Boy's Life. I mean, I don't know about you. I could, I could, I think that would be a kind of a feather in my cap. I don't know. I might have, I might have fucked Charlie Fittish for the whole for the New Yorker, you know, <laughs> for the New Yorker. Right. Well, <laughs> I guess we'll get into it right know. now because I did just go all the way there. But but no, I think I think it was funny and fun. And anytime Pete and Trudy kind of have these newlywed marriage pillow talk conversations i'm i'm all in but uh but it was that was secondary to add uh uh, adam whitman coming to surprise don at the office you remember this episode as the one where adam comes like it it's not always that clear in looking back it's like what you know that's the one where this happens and this happens and this happens right but this was clear this was a this like you said, this was a pivotal episode. Well, when we talk about how Mad Men kind of upends TV convention, right? Um, you know, on any given show, whether it's an hour long drama or a sitcom for 30 minutes, uh, you know, something monumental can happen. And then by the end of the 30 minutes, it's kind of undone and it's as if it never happened. And then the next episode happens as if that last event never happened at all. You know, like there's there's just this great cognitive dissonance that's just you know part of historical uh television writing uh this is very consequential this puts in motion in a lot of ways the whole rest of the series for seven more seasons yeah six and a half and and um so so this isn't one of those things where remember where he got that visit from his brother and it's like that never happened it's like no (laughs) it's like this happened that's now (laughs) that's now page one for the whole rest of the story yeah and um how Don as deals opposed, with it, as opposed to the the B plot, right? As opposed to like the thing with right. with yeah, with right. Trudy right. And, exactly. and and Pete. Remember and, that time Pete asked Trudy to get him published, right? We we don't we're not going to remember where that all happened. We know this again. This was this was an epically important episode, and in, in, in terms true. of an epically important plot point uh, in That's the development exactly of. Right. of um, uh, I'm going to just say now, my cat is having the zoomies. Uh, she doesn't normally during this, uh, but you may enjoy some scratchy, crazy sounds through this through this recording. You're welcome. And this is where the the some smaller strands of of other other action in the in the script um, plays into this larger tree trunk of Adam's visit and and the secrecy of Don's background, which is um, this notion of privacy or more to the point secrecy. 
around things like the account that they're pitching. And now I'm forgetting the name of the bank, but whatever this bank Liberty? is, is Liberty Bank. It's so hard not Liberty? to not to just go Liberty, 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 which is not yeah. what this was. <laughs> um, but they have this bank come in, and the whole pitch brainstorm is about having um, an executive account or an account for men only, whereas most banks are trying to get women to come in, and they're giving away blenders and toasters and whatnot. Uh, these guys are saying, no, it's your private bank account that your wife may or may not even know about. The statements come to your office. It's, it's for that secret life. It's for that little, that, that private element of your life that, that's just yours. Statements sent to the office. Yes. Liberty Capital private account. No. Executive account. Uh, uh. That's why he won an award. But of course, it feeds into this notion of secret lives, of having two faces that one you show to the world, one you kind of keep hidden. I do want to say something specific about the banking. All these guys were like, well, my wife doesn't touch the money. My wife doesn't know about the money. Maybe these guys. That was true. And I think there's um, an assumption that is inaccurate. I mean, there's a degree to which maybe some of these men believed it was true when it wasn't true. I know of many women from those days. I know many women who came up as quote unquote housewives who were the financiers of the family, who managed the budget. My mother was one of those women and it isn't just, it wasn't just her. Like I think that was, I think that was a, I think that was a little bit of a miss to serve the plot and to serve the theme. I, I don't think all these women were as much in the dark about money as this episode says. It is about the myth. It is about the cultural, um, the cultural norm or the expectation that the man holds the money. That, that, that's all that, that's all they're playing off of yes. is that myth. Um, and there's a lot of posing going on the way they, the, the fantasy that they're telling themselves basically. Agree. But, um, but yeah, so that's I, I think that's a that's a big part of this secrecy element, and it kind of continues with Don going to see Midge um, for a good rogering down in the <laughs> down in the village. Um, uh, we should not ignore the opening scene. It's a great scene. First of all, I love that scene mostly because it's one of the very rare sort of unguarded Don and Betty moments of their marriage. Yeah, where they're really enjoying each other, drunken as they are. Yeah, they're loaded, but still. They have, you see them (laughs) delight in each other. And if you think about it, if you scratch under the surface, you know, it's it's Don, you know, getting to be very successful at what he does. So he's, he's being honored. It's Betty getting to sort of fawn over her husband, which she loves. Uh, so there's a lot of that. It was a night of kind of talk about myth making. It was sort of that. It was the myth that they both. It played into the myths that they both have of their marriage and their relationship. Right. Well, and, and in this case, it might have been largely accurate and true. You know, he he had done good work. He got recognized for it. She got to see that. It was a great night. And, you know, and then obviously the metaphor of the of, of the horseshoe breaking and yeah, right, a, it's exactly. a, a it's a super just 
cheap crap a reward and then be, you know, that was not, that was not a right. subtle, yeah. <laughs> subtle that's like, metaphor. That's like the, it's, that's like the wine flowing in the street in, uh, you know, <laughs> Tale of Two Cities. Yeah. Right? I a little mean, bit of foreshadowing. Yeah. I mean, we, it was a great night for Don. It was a great night for Don and Betty. It leads mm-hmm. into what is um, inarguably... What? Quite a week. A, a for Don. shit week for Don. <laughs> That's right. But but I must say, but I must say, I love. I always loved from the first time I saw it, and every time I see this episode, Don not being able to reach the light switch and just reaching down and unplugging the lamp. <laughs> that was incredible. I mean, who hasn't who hasn't just done that? I mean, he manages, and it feels so damn good. He manages to get that. his shoes off, but her lip her pillow had lipstick on it been there so so they wake up late the next morning like don doesn't wake up till eight o'clock for for, on a work day and stumbles into the office and they're talking about the 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 bank account pitch and and so forth but um midge interrupts his his uh his morning with with a booty call request well literally a literal booty call the literal first one we learn that midge never had a phone Oh, right. Right. Mitch just got, he's like, what, what do you, what's this? Yeah. Where are you calling from? Are you at the laundromat? Right. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Which is wild. So it's, yeah. I I did love that, that, um, that detail was kind of great. And it's not like it goes anywhere. It's just a, it's just a detail of what it must be like. Well, for Midge down in the village somewhere, no phone, just got a TV, you know. Well, like, I, think what it, I think what it does do, I think it does go somewhere. What had been in place was Don and Midge saw each other when Don showed up. And we we didn't know the extent of that until that moment. But to me, the, the foreshadowing in this episode from that is Don suddenly feeling and Croached upon and accessible. He's flattered, but he's not. He's not thrilled. He is not thrilled, and that is a complete foreshadowing of what comes next. Don mm-hmm. is seen and accessible and reached, and he's been really, really comfortable being not that. In in well, he's encroachable. He's built this exactly. life that cannot be encroached upon. You don't call me; I call you. I left the farm. I went to New York. And I know where I am, and you'll never know where I am. So you're you can you cannot encroach on me. I'm I'm completely protected uh, emotionally and physically. Thank you. And now you're right. That's right. And then the <laughs> the phone is the first pierce of the bubble. Um, but yeah, just these little pinpricks of of the bubble, and then Adam comes crashing in. You know, short, soon enough. So that's a great that's a great point. I hadn't thought of it that way. Mm. Um, so he, he, he and Midge, and even Midge, when he's down there, kind of gives him a, kind of gives him um, a little bit of a dressing down, I would say, in her way within their relationship of like, you know, you love, you love leaving uptown, midtown and coming down here. You loved leaving it all at the door. You love walking in knowing that you've left this whole other thing behind. And she says, I love being your medicine, right? Mm. So there's this, she's, she's, I think that she's, we're learning that she kind of has his number. You can't call me at work. You're scared I'm going to get lonely all the time. Start having conversations with you and ring you all the time saying, when are you going to come over? She wants to be acknowledged for understanding the deal. She also says... I don't have the line exactly, but she says something about your whole life is falling apart. 
Yeah. I wondered about where that, does she just always, is he just in a constant, like there's nothing notably different. Like he, he, uh, you know, he's met and, and lost Rachel Menken at this point, but she wouldn't know that he has a wife and kids that hasn't changed. Like what brought that on? Or, or is that a, is that just a sustained perpetual dynamic that they both assume that Don is just always, his life is falling apart or thinks it is. I think it's both. I think, I think she sees the evidence here and there and it's this kind of a constant drumbeat of, you know, one day it's lucky strike uh, meeting that I'm not prepared for. Help me, help me to another one. It's, uh, you know, so, you know, crisis of the week kind of thing. So yeah, I think there is some evidence, but I, but I also think at least how I picked up her, delivery of this of this little speech is um that she's a little bit she's attuned to him yeah was, she's I was plugged in exactly she's on his wavelength and her intuition and has, with for him is is right there yeah exactly because he he's has not a very high high emotional quotient we would call it now yeah about him and 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 what he's about and and how he um what this relationship means to him i yeah. think she's completely eyes wide open about the whole thing yeah i agree with you I mean, this is not a man who walks in and says, you can't believe what I did. We had a, we had a party for Sally <laughs> and then I, I bolted. <laughs> I, got, I, I ghosted. Yeah. He's, right. They're not yada, sharing. Yada, yada, yada. We yeah. now have a dog. Right. <laughs> That's not, yeah, correct. That's, not, That's not how it goes. No, I think you're right. I think it's, I think she's intuitive and she's tuned into him and, yeah. and, and that is an underappreciated, but it is what it is part of. She has all this intuition about him, but, but, um, again, there's a little dance. I was going to, cause I was going to say, but no holds on him, except they do. It comes up every time it comes up every time what we do and don't expect of each other. It, it's always, they are always in the, in the dance of the conversation of that. And now she's got a fucking phone. <laughs> That's the tension of their relationship yes. that we see. Yes. Um, and it's a good tension. Sometimes it's a little bit of a bad tension. We've seen a little bit of that. But it's um, it's there. And I think that's what that's kind of what th that speech is meant to highlight. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I think what's really interesting about Don's sojourn to the village is uh, that Peggy finds out. I think that's... Well, yeah, plot. Yes, that's, a that's brilliant, the big... Brilliant, kind of plot point because it freaks Peggy out. Well, I think it disgusts her first, you know, obviously he comes back all greasy and calm, which is a great, yeah, she, no, she's, she's genuinely, I think it's fascinating her reaction. God, her acting. I mean, it's great. Her acting is just, yeah. beyond, is, it's so good. You know, she's somebody who, who slept with an, an about to be married man, but, mm -hmm. but she also didn't see Don, Listen, Don's the one who turned her down, you know, and he's treating her kindly and she's already seen some things in this office where she does not have to be treated kindly by, by men, but he is, he is, you know, again, she heard two things on that first day about her with him, which is, you know, he was going to expect her to sleep with him, but also he was going to just be demanding in general. And he is demanding and she meets those demands, but he's not, he's kind. He's a good boss. Yeah. And Joan has also properly prepped her by saying, look, this is not a nine to five. Uh, here's your mail, Mr. Draper kind of job. Although she does give him his mail in this episode. Um, 
but it's not a, you know, it's, 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 you know, the waitress and the mother and keep his secrets. And, you know, she's not, she hasn't been sold a bill of goods about this job. I don't think. Um, but I think when it push comes to shove and you inadvertently hear, you know, come downtown and ravage me (laughs) and five minutes later, he's out the door and you go, Oh boy, that's a little worse. It wasn't in your face. Yeah. It was, it was, it was gruesome. Um, when you didn't know that that was happening and all of a sudden you're really walking in and it's, it's, she might as well have opened a door on them in the act. No, like that's was, a, that's a raw moment. It was that shocking. Moment. First thing in the morning, you know, yeah. Um, even, even when you hear it, you know, even when you've been prepared, you yeah. know, Oh, this guy, the, these guys are what they're like or blah, blah, blah. And now it's like, and I think that whole juxtaposition of hearing that call. And then five minutes later, I'll be back after lunch. But, and then you're, and then you're retrofitting, which is what she then does later, but you're retrofitting. You're going every time he, he left, where was he going? And she's right. Yeah, it's I what mean, anybody would do. She is correct about that. Like, that is where he's That's been right. going. And she also kind of conflates it later when she gets into trouble with um, right. him not being there and, and and Betty coming by with the family. Right. It 100% flusters her. Had that not happened... Had, She'd have been fine when Betty came. She would have been, she would have been just like, oh, oops. Peggy knows her job really well. She didn't know how to handle the situation. I think you're absolutely right. Had she not heard, overheard Midge and Don, she would have handled Betty the next day. Totally different because she's already been doing it. She's good like that. Well, but she also, she's been covering for Don, who's been seeing Midge the whole time, the whole time. Now, she never had to do it to his wife. Unwittingly, though. Yeah, no, exactly. But now that she knows, it, it threw her off. It totally, it got totally in her head. Her. And that's when can we talk about that scene with her and Joan? Because <sighs> so here's what I want to so what I want to say overall about this episode is I you know, I ask myself some emotional questions like how did this episode make me feel? And it mostly did not make me feel good. I mostly didn't like people. Um it was a rough one. It was a rough one. There was some emotional moments, mm. whatever. Um I it did certainly the scene with her <laughs> With her and Joan did not leave me uh, with fond feelings for Joan, but <laughs> it was unbelievable. The the every moment, every line, the two of them catching each <laughs> other, and 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 then Joan being like, "Well, you shouldn't have told him," which you know, which might be our episode title. Like it's it's you know, you shouldn't have told him is sort of. <laughs> kind of all over the place and in, in the in it's the just secrets great. and lies. So, w- what I love is it's two people who really know their jobs really well, and we're not surprised about that with regard to Joan, right? Because she's Queen Bee and she runs the joint, and th- that's Joan. But we're we're confronted now with how well Peggy knows her job. She's not she's not saying, um, she she she's not confused by what's going on. She's confused with a little bit how to handle it, like we said. And, she, um, and she, so, so her request for advice from Joan is just, what do I do in the moment? She did, you know what I mean? She wasn't sort of like, she was very clear she wasn't passing judgment. Right. Even though she was. <laughs> Even though she was. In that her was, way. That right. was not. Gre- that greasy was, and calm is a judgmental thing. That's right. Thing to she, say. Was, she was not. Uh, she was trying to not let that inform her 
decision yes. about how to handle this. But in fact, she was flustered. She went to Joan, who she knows can handle everything. Unfortunately, Joan is a gossip monger, you know, wants all the dirt. And Peggy right. doesn't, re she really genuinely in, in that regard is better than Joan at her job because she really, except, except she got caught by, except Joan out, 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 you know, checkmated her or well, whatever. there's nothing like, better. <laughs> there's nothing better to hear in written dialogue than I can't tell you. And then someone responding by saying, you are going to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> that just sets that you're like, I'm on the edge of my seat at that. I don't care what they're talking about. I need to know what we're what's going on. You, you are going to tell me is a great line. I mean, so that can you just that, we haven't really given Joan much props yet, uh, and I think here's the moment. Here's, here's been, the she's episode. been under the radar. Yeah, I mean, it, it, jo Christina Hendricks was unknown. In the, I mean, she was not completely unknown. She was if if you were a um, a Firefly fan. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, try saying that Firefly. Fan. She wasn't mainstream in that world. She was. She was. She was known. The full. The full extent of what she's capable of was certainly not known. She is a force to be reckoned with. Um, Joan Holloway is a force to be reckoned with, and you see that in this scene, which you've already seen her with Peggy, but you never saw her running that traffic meeting, and that was. That was. Oh, you're not an office manager, and you don't just manage the the girls, the steno pool. You yeah. manage the money. This goes, this goes back to, oh, this goes back to what I was talking about. Who manages the money is the women. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. There it is. That's right. Right? I That's mean, but right. it really, just seeing her in that position, and I have a lot of experience in traffic and project management in advertising, so I, I can, you know, but she's really, she's more than just a queen bee in attitude. Right. She's really got her hands yeah. on everything. And it's incredible to see. That's right. And cheers to Christina Hendricks. And physically, the fact that she can just, you know, stand there and take a drag on the cigarette and confront Peggy. But I think she also recognizes that Peggy can handle herself. She's not, you know, she she's not dealing with a uh, a puddled mess with Peggy. She recognizes that this person knows her job and can handle the truth and can deal with what's in front of her and treats her that way. Yeah. And I, to me, that's that there's so much of the relationship tied into that. And and again, I don't know how and when they kind of discovered this dynamic between these two characters and these two actors. But, man, is it great. Yeah. Oh, it's and, incredible. Uh, and and, I, it's, and it's fabulous. Uh, Matthew Weiner has, I believe, I mean, over the years of the show there weren't as many opportunities for the two of those women to have scenes together. And he would try to find them because mm -hmm. they, they mm -hmm. were so good. It's I mean, I think, it. It, I think delivered. he discovered it in the, in the pilot. Right. And then he, you know, mm -hmm. but this was, um, and I, I do wonder, I always kind of wonder like um, why as though it was real life, but you know, how did Peggy interview? Like, I feel like they just, she came across as competent and meek and they threw her to the wolves and she happened right. to do very well. You know, yeah, Joan does trust her. in the deep her. end of the pool pretty well. Yeah, yeah, Joan does trust her to manage one of the most right. important men in the office. No question, no question. So, you know, this is all the setup for, for what we learn about, about Don and Adam. And um, Jay Paulson plays mm -hmm. Adam Whitman uh, beautifully here. And 
you know, I've seen this episode now, I don't know, maybe, maybe eight or 10 times yeah. over the, over the years. And, um, every time I see it, it resonates stronger and stronger with me. When I first saw it, it felt as important an episode as you knew that it was because, oh my God, Don has this half brother and what's that about? And why are they the secret past and what's going on? You know, you could, you could kind of, you could absorb the, the plot points pretty easily but it always felt very melodramatic to me early on. And the more I see it and the more I watch it, part of it's because we know, you know, maybe what transpires a little bit. But the the idea of Adam being wrecked mm-hmm. and basically his whole life leading up to finding Don, right, is very, very strong. I and mean, what, what did he say? He when, wasn't... when Don does what he does... Um, always felt melodramatic to me, but less and less so. Every every time I see it, I'm like, like I get it now. I feel what 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 Adam's feeling more and more every time. He was eight. He was an eight year old boy. Do I have that right? Or did? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's, that's losing heavy. losing an older brother, particularly an adult older older brother, um, losing him once when he left home and joined, yeah. and 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 losing him again when when he was supposedly dead and then seeing him alive and then never trusting yourself, but always believing, you know, he's, that's right. This, this, he's the one that believed this moment, this relationship with Don is stuck. And he's an eight year old Mm. boy. And you see that in every, you see that in every interaction, his, the casting of the casting of Jay, this wide eyed, this wide eyed, red red headed, right. (laughs) Looks like he's right from the farm. He's just, he's perfect. And at, oh yeah, he looks, the way they costume him, he looks like it's still 1940. (laughs) It's, it's just incredible. Um, I don't know that I ever, uh, questioned the sincerity. It was a lot because you were also, it was like, woof, this is a lot because you're also taking in this information and your brain is doing two things at once. It's, it's responding to the emotions that are in front of you, but it's also like, wait, what did he say? What, what, who's uncle Matt? You're trying to, you're trying to fill, you're trying to fill in yeah. a huge amount of inf- uh, plot with very little information. That's right. Uh, you know, and that's kind of the, the trick of the manipulation of the storytelling that, that goes on. And that's, that's part of what's so brilliant about it. So you can't, you can't possibly know what this means to Adam. That's you're not able to, all we know is half brother, di- you know, different mother, Uncle Mac, farm. Apparently, terrible mother, terrible, horrible upbringing, terrible you know, the step. whole thing. So neither of them are are his. So so in, in this scenario, we're we're still putting this together. But what we know right now is neither of those people are his parents, because she's the stepmother, and his his hate for her is. Is palpable. I mean, he died of of stomach cancer. Died of stomach cancer. Good is pretty intense. Yeah, Um, that. And then there's and then there's an uncle Mac. Unambiguous. But is Uncle Mac? uh, We don't know. Adam's father. Uh, We don't know. No, I'm talking about Don. I'm saying neither of them are Don's parents. I don't. We don't know. It well. I think not because I I think it was uh, I think it was Adam that referred to him as Uncle Mac. So I think that what we this this is part of what we're this is part of why it was hard to take in all that emotion because you're sitting here trying to do this math that all these years yeah. later you and I are still trying to figure out right what the <laughs> hell just happened which is that right. uncle is that the the okay so we've got a mother who is not Don's mother but is Adam's mother and we've got an uncle Mac mm-hmm. who is nobody's father so Don has no That's parents 
and couldn't get out of there mm-hmm. fast enough. And we don't really mm-hmm. know, I guess, Don, you know, what we can put together at this moment is Don's father either died or died or left. And but we can but we can presume that Don and Adam have the same father. No? We have to assume that, otherwise they're not brothers. Yes. That's, Correct. That, yes. That's they have point. the same so, father. So, but... we, so it's a half brother yeah. kind of relationship. It's they're half brothers, and I have I have many half siblings. Those are real. <laughs> right? They're very they're your <laughs> yeah. brother. Yeah, they're your sibling. Um and But I think more important is as Adam, because Don was, I guess, so much older than Adam, you know, Adam idolized his his big older sibling. And that's just that's just hardwired into Adam. So that's all, you know, we, other than that, we have nothing. We have absolutely nothing to go on. And it always, again, felt melodramatic, the hug at the end of the scene and, and you know, th- this kind of dichotomy of Adam's earnestness and Don being very brusque and, and turning him away. It's kind of like, okay, you know what? I never really got it. And every time I see it, up to and including <laughs> pre- prepping for this, this uh, discussion, it hits me harder and harder and harder. It's, oh my God, Adam. Oh no, it was God. devastating. It was absolutely devastating. <laughs> it is. And it's played so well. And you look back and you go, okay, it was all there, which is so Mad Men, right? It was all, yeah. we didn't know it. It may not have been fleshed out on page, on paper anywhere, but this was cast perfectly, written perfectly, performed perfectly um, uh, into this, again, what, what, what I'm saying is a rocket ship of an episode mm. where things just take off. So, you know, you've got, Peggy learning about Don's secrets. You've got Banks keeping secrets for men. You've got Midge keeping secrets for Don. Um, all these double lives going on. Um, and it's 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 Don keeping Adam at a distance to keep his double life kind of intact. It's keeping Midge at a distance to keep that, that thing intact. Um, you know, this is, like we said, quite a, quite a week for Don. <laughs> You know, let's take a quick break. Uh, I have uh, an emergency in the office. Gotta head back to the city. So we'll be right back. So we wanted to talk about how this how this episode wraps up. It wraps up really wonderfully. Um, lots of bad feelings. No, no quite. By, by wonderfully, I mean in a dramatic storytelling sense. There is nothing really wonderful about about what goes on in this episode. Um, but but I'll tell you, um, we see Don going back into the city. And look, it's really, every time, again, every time I watch it, I, I kind of see it more and more. It's painted to look like he is putting a gun in his briefcase. There's no question. We don't see what he's pulling out of his desk drawer. It goes in right into the briefcase, into the bag. Um and, yeah, that's not. Yeah, that's definitely not us picking up. A no, 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 no. This this is set up to look like to to. to it is shot this is the, the way you would if you were going to yeah. have him murder Adam without shot for shot. Yeah, I mean, would be this way. And it's valid. We don't know Don Draper. Right. And do you ever know someone really? Listen. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, we don't. We don't listen. We don't. We don't know what he's capable. But of. this is also real life creeping into our viewing expectations, right? This is the. Yes. This is the. Uh, one of the executive producers of The Sopranos. It's got that pedigree. We're five episodes in. We don't know these characters it's, very well. It's in all the promos. Remember, this is five yeah, episodes into this, this is, brand new series, and the only thing anybody knows about it is it's from the, the, the great mind that yeah. 
gave you the Sopranos or whatever. So yeah. all all expectation. And again, I'm so thick. I didn't think that at all when I watched it the first time. <laughs> it was really only after that. Oh, I think I did. But it was, but I it's clear as day uh, from the camera angles to the music to, you know, that time when Don's reaching into his bag in Adam's room and Adam turns around. You think ah, that's when it's going to happen. Why are you acting so weird? Right. Um, to, to right in the chest. So, but we, what we don't know is, you know, cause we're led to believe that Don may just be this, this Tony Soprano wannabe kind of guy. And okay, now that's who Don is and he kills people. And now he goes back to his wife. I get it. <laughs> right. But it's not that at all. He wasn't taking a gun out. He was taking cash out. And I think it's part of this, you know, relatable Don Draper, He's a monster. He's a sociopath, um, but he's not a killer. He's gonna he's gonna buy his way out of this. He's gonna he's gonna do what he thinks is the humane thing to do. So putting Adam out of his misery isn't shooting him. It's telling him to run as far away from New York City as he can. Go and it's, take this. This is this is all I can do for you. It ought to be yeah. enough. Um, bye bye. It's really evident that he may as well have taken a knife and put it into his heart. And that's where your heart, that's where your heart breaks. He, I, I'm really clear about this now. In this area of his life, maybe in other areas, but definitely in this relationship, he is an eight-year-old, six-foot-three, you know, he really is. He really just wants his big brother. I mean, I just want to go back to that other scene where he, where Don is denying and denying and denying. And, and this never happened. We will see becomes a real theme for Don Draper. Adam is saying Dick Whitman and, and, and Dick Whitman keeps saying who, yeah. what, who, what, right. who, what. Um, but And how Adam, I just was so moved by this. How Adam kept saying, um, no, I know I'm bigger. I know mm, I look different. I know. He was, he just wouldn't get yeah. that Don was doing this to him. Right. Right. He, it took him, it, the, that was his cognitive dissonance, trying to connect what Don was clearly doing to him with, no, 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 no. I, I'm bigger. I get yeah. it. But I he didn't it. doubt he himself. That, 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 that stood out to he me. He didn't doubt himself. He no. didn't look at no, it. No, no, no. He, 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 never he didn't think, did I come to the wrong place? Did I miss, did I, yeah. did I, no, no, no. Did my mind deceive me once. in this photo in that age? No, I, I, Don, it's you. Boom, we're done. The, the mystery's solved. It's you. Now, now I have to convince you it's me. It, you know, so I'm taller. I'm bigger. I'm, I'm a grown man. Blah, blah, blah. But, but uh, Adam was not confused about about Don's presence. And back to that final scene. I mean, I, I have tears in my eyes talking about it. Like it, uh, he was, he t he did not. I you know I don't know that Don Don initially was like, "Are you here for money?" Mm -hmm. Um. But that is not what this was. Don was no longer thinking he wa he was here for the money. He was paying him off. No, he will leave, yeah. take money this money and solution. go. Yeah, yeah. Money was the solution. And I've just never watched. I can't think of another time when I watched a, a screen performance of somebody just breaking somebody's heart like that in a non romantic capacity. No, Adam's uh, a deliberate. You know. Yeah. That his performance, Jay Paulson's performance, was just utterly guileless and yeah, true and and so beautiful. You know, Don. We've mentioned earlier in other other discussions about Don's flight response. Right, I don't want to go to school tomorrow. I want to <laughs> want to get out of here because Adam, I think, is the younger brother, and he still probably sees him as an eight year old kid and whatnot. Um, 
there is no flight response. It's fight response. He's, he he feels he feels thoroughly confident that he can buy Adam off with the five grand that he's coming into the city with five five with the five G that he's coming into the city. Why don't we why don't we get that out of the way? That the the episode title here another clever uh, yes clever reference uh, from the writers that this is you know of course his apartment number was five G. Right. And it's also the fifth episode. Fifth episode of this uh, which may you know, which may or may not be relevant, but it's a fun game to play. There's also the line uh where Roger says, uh, I guarantee in the bot I guarantee it in the bottom drawer of every desk in this place is the first ten pages of a novel, and Don says five. There's just a few, you know, the five G the five G is specifically the five grand, and then there it is as the as is the uh apart the room number. But there's a few fives to play with as well. And, and so, with what's going on, you, you've got you've got Don really um, muscling Adam out of his life. I mean that that's that's the thing is 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 the the bubble's been pierced yet again, crushed actually by Adam. And I think Don was in no way going to give in to all of this. You know, Uncle Mac thought you were soft. He's like, I'm not soft, right? So that's mm. you know, Don just pushing this thing back as hard as it came at him. So. Um, unbelievable performances, unbelievable writing, unbelievable execution of this entire thing. I think the directing of this episode was extraordinary so, too. The, so brilliant. The, so brilliant. Um, and the, when he first, when he first, this, the, to go back, the first shot, when he comes back from first seeing Adam mm-hmm. and he comes back into that office oof. and all the sound is different and yeah. the look is different. And he is just in his, he's in a haze. He's in, and, that, and that is, that is, um, I mean, I know that feeling, right? Suddenly everything has changed. Something bad just happened and suddenly emotionally everything's changed and you're in a sort of funnel tunnel yeah. thing. Everything's blocked out. And that, out. that got really, everything's blocked out. And, and uh, that was really well, uh, really well portrayed. Done. And, you know, uh, Adam's kind of coup de grace with Don is sending him those portraits. In fact, that's what I think gets Don to go back into the city to see him is those mm. old portraits. It's it's a little bit of like, you're not going to, you're not going to just, you're not going to ignore me. You're not going to just kind of get, get away without, without me putting everything I have into, into getting a little, a little reaction from you. Not in a bad way. I just think it's Adam. It, it, but, but what Don heard was, I'm not going to be ignored, Don. <laughs> right. But you know, what's interesting to me about those pictures and we see some of those pictures again and again, and, and it's for Don, who doesn't, as we're, as we're learning, does not have any relationship, not just with his family. He doesn't understand family. He doesn't understand connections. He doesn't understand uh, what it means to have, to have a family for any reason. And I didn't capture the quote, but Adam says something to Don to the effect of family is everything, or I, I can't, I don't, I don't even have it close, but it was, it was very striking about, but this is what you do for family or I, I don't, again, I don't have it, yeah, I'm not, I'm but not it, to that. me, I, to me, that did theme out a bit, um, in terms of, first of all, you're saying that to Don who doesn't even know what you're talking no, about. No, no, just no idea. Chinese. And Betty, and we're going to talk about this shortly. Betty does. That's right. Betty understands family. So, she, you know, I love how it ties in with this family portrait moment that, that the Drapers had with, Betty coming into the city and the children with her and being entertained, so to speak, by by Peggy, which is 
you know, day or, I don't know, day later or whatever, Betty's looking at these proofs of these portraits and they're miserable and Don looks miserable. And, and what struck me is, you know, these are the acceptable photos. This is Don's, the double life again. This is Don's straight life <laughs> where he's got the beautiful wife yeah. and the kids and the family and the per- per- perfect portrait. Um, and he's miserable. He looks horrible. He's completely, again, he just came from trying to tell his half brother to go away, uh, <clears throat> who he hasn't seen in years. It's, it's a disaster. But those are like the legitimate portraits. Adam sends him to the office. Again, personal, private. Um, Which Peggy knows not to open. Precisely. And then Don, it's interesting. It's interesting, Don. Peggy suddenly knows yeah. about Midge. Peggy suddenly, but, but by the time Don comes back into the office, Peggy has it together. She's covering for him just like she always does. He was very uh, generous in that moment. Peggy, this was not your fault. Um, I thought it was interesting of note that, that Betty likes her. Oh, sure. um, but um, like suddenly, I think, bet- again, between Midge having a phone, which <laughs> Don's instincts were right. You should not call yeah. me here was dead on, was completely, yeah. it was already too late. Right. right? It might be a monster, but, but I'm right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And so between those two things, between Midge getting a phone and then and then the bigger, the more dynamic in his life, Adam showing up in his office and now mailing him things. Right. Um, Which Peggy probably to... thinks is like a pinup photo of Midge. Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> Nudes. Um, but, but Don does start barking at Peggy about that she knows too much. There's a little bit of mm-hmm. when she when she says, I didn't open this, he kind of. Yeah, he gives her a gives look. Her a, yeah a shit face. And it's interesting. That's true. It's just interesting that he picks up on her discomfort and it's his own discomfort and it gets all mushed together. I think you'd call that a stink eye. I made up a word. Shit face. <laughs> I was aware I was making yeah, up no, a word I'll, and that it was, it was the wrong word. Stink, he gives her the yeah. stink eye. <laughs> it was worse than a stink eye. I was, you know what I was thinking? I was in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we're leaving this in. In my mind, I was thinking of like shit posting. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> and and then somehow that all got mixed up and it came out as shit face, which of course is what they were at the beginning of the episode. Fair enough. I don't know. It didn't it didn't work, Dan, and you caught me. But what's notable about those photos that he gets from Adam, uh <laughs> You were you were like, I'm gonna get this gonna out. <laughs> circle this back. Uh you know, these are unacceptable photos. These are photos that Don will not let see the the light of day. He burns some of them. Um, but look at how natural he looks. He looks comfortable. It's his old self. It's him as a, a younger man. And, uh, you know, here he is with his legitimate family looking like shit. And, uh, here he is with his unacknowledged life and he looks perfectly natural and comfortable. And I think that's the, that, that's part of the, part of the key to the episode is he's, he's left with this unnatural sort of uncomfortable, awkward life. And uh, that's what he's built for himself. And Betty, Betty and Francine said they're better. They're better with us, right? Yeah. They're better here, right? <laughs> right? About the men. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Um, so we end in the episode in the Draper's bedroom, similar to how we start the episode in the Draper's bedroom. Um, and this was a really interesting, and it wasn't like a tense conversation. I mean, Don has just come back from the city where he's told his half brother that he hasn't seen in in years and years to go kiss off. Uh, so Don's in a little bit of a probably crazy frame of mind. 
himself, but he gets in and 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 Betty wants to talk, right? Can I ask you something, or can I, or can I, can I bring something up without you getting mad? I forget whatever the whatever the way she introduced it, and he's like bracing himself for you know, oh geez. And uh, she wants to ask about buying a beach house after talking about the week they can go down there and her dad and she likes being with her dad and maybe they should get their own beach house. And Don's response, I think, is super interesting because, he, you know, he's just he's five he's five grand lighter. Thanks to Adam that he just, um, you know, took out of the out of the, the drawer in his office. And he says, we're not flush, which to me could only mean could only reference in Don's mind the fact that, yeah, I just. You know, we used to have five thousand dollars in cash sitting in the drawer, and now we don't. Um, so we're not so flush. But to me, when you think about it, I always thought, looking back, that that money that and first of all, we don't know how much more is in that drawer. Is it well we was five G everything or is there another another five or ten grand in there somewhere? But yeah. But um we don't know nothing. But I don't but I think it's pretty clear and we can we can infer that Betty does not know that money exists. Right. That 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 is that is buried in a hole in the backyard just as well. Um, Betty doesn't know. Betty doesn't know anything about the money that the the model they presented in that meeting is definitely Don. And that's right. Don manages the money. Betty doesn't. Betty wouldn't know what's in the bank. What's under what's under a pillow. She just no. I'm sure he gives her an allowance to spend for the house. And that's that's it. You know, I'll bet that's it. So. So, yeah. So she's completely in the dark about it. But she's saying, hey, how about a beach house? And he says they're light. And I'm thinking, well, he's feeling light because he literally just handed $5,000 in cash to someone. But she didn't know about that. And that was probably Don's. I've always said that's Don's running away money. I think that's brilliant. That I, I had never thought about when that. When the shit and comes down, Don is grabbing whatever's in that drawer and heading for Mexico. And that's it. Yeah, Don's got a plan. So it's not like that was going to be house money anyway. <laughs> Beach house money anyway. Right. right. Um yeah, we don't we don't know what that means financially. We don't. Yeah, we don't um, have a reference point. But but either way, it has nothing to do with what they have to spend on a beach house. <laughs> no, it definitely he doesn't want more commitment right now. He's feeling more insecure yeah. as of as a result of the these last occurrences right. than he has in a long time. But um, he was able to easily carry Betty's question when he said, "Not flush right now, but we'll be okay. Maybe next year." She's like, "Okay." Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Yep. I brought it up. Yeah, you know. And but then she and then she says, "I, I like spending time with." She did that whole thing about, "I know you don't you don't feel comfortable uh, around my dad." But then the last thing she says is, "You know, I, I like my dad." Whatever she I like said, being my dad. I like being around. I like being around my dad again. She's got some family values that's right. there. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And she's ready to give that up for Don because she understands that she doesn't quite understand the depths to which he doesn't No, (laughs) still still the case so to me that you know it kind of feels like a little bit of a throwaway little scene after all of this all of this turmoil of don's uh, the episode for don but um i don't know i thought it was just a really amazing understated beautifully written beautifully um formatted final scene to this. Mm. And we're again, we're seeing them very sweet with each other, um, you know, as he lies and lies and lies and lies yeah. to her. Right. It's all <laughs> about like, he shovels that shit higher and deeper. There's no no question. Um, it's what a what a disaster this guy is. <laughs> so so there you go. 5G. We're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we will talk about 
quote of the week and uh, a little bit of what's coming next week. You know, there was that one, there was one little thing we've, we've already mentioned in a different, in a different conversation. We've given you a little bit of a spoiler that we, we are soon to discover that Betty used to be a model. And I did notice uh, that um, looking over those, um, looking through the photographs, she, she was looking at them with a, with a, with a, you know, she said, I think the color is off. She has a, (laughs) she has a professional, she has a more professional eye. I love that. You're so Uh, right. All right. What's your quote? Quotes. Let's quote. Uh, you alluded to it earlier, and I love it. And it's, mark, it's, mark. it's Joan and Peggy. You shouldn't have told me that. You shouldn't have told anyone that. <laughs> it's so awesome. Um, this, is, uh, this is the education of Peggy Olson right here. It's Joan just leaning into the line. It's Joan... Uh, using every ounce of leverage she has over Peggy to, again, I think she sees Peggy as formidable and needs to put her in her place any way she can. Um, and Peggy, and it's so obvious, you know, Peggy's like, Oh, I, I would have figured that out for myself. You know, that kind of thing. She's not going to be, she's not going to be educated here, but, but right now Peggy has her by the, by the, you know, what, and it's, uh, she does. And, and again, the theme of this, uh, the theme of this season is very much about secrets and lies, and the theme, as as we've said, this episode is filled oh, with yeah. the, the, the the double lives and the and all the secrets. To me, what's even best, what's even better about that, the best part is, it was after she said, "You're going to tell me if you want my help. You're going to tell <laughs> me what you know." And then she tells her, then he uses it against her. It's like, here, give me so that true. knife. I'm going to stab you with it. It's just, it's so brilliant. So, yeah, that that's. That'll, that lives, uh, that's on Mount Rushmore. Well, mine is when Don said it's, it's, it's similar vibe, different, different delivery, but it's when Don says to Adam, I think you've mistaken me for someone else. I, I think again, in terms of the, in terms of the, the, the coldness that he brings in terms of the life ethic that he lives <laughs> in terms of everything we're looking at with this episode, you know, you, again, we can theme it out. It's, it's, uh, and, and it's high competition for, for episode title. We will decide later, but it's, you know, I think you've mistaken me for someone else. Wait, Ken Cosgrove is a writer. <laughs> Wait, Trudy had a lover. Mm. Wait, like, I think there's a whole lot of thinking people have mistaken people for someone else. No, that's, that's really astute in it. And that, um, uh, I also think Don's rehearsed that line 40 million times in his head. Yes. He's, he, he knows the shit's going to come down one day in some form. It could be, uh, someone on a train. It could be, it could be Adam walking into his lobby. It could be any, any which way he's, he's prepared to say. You're wrong. I think you've mistaken me for someone That's else. Right. I packed into that 5G, Roberta. Yeah, it's really something. All right. So, uh, you know, one of the things that we have mentioned a few times is like, what what episode, what episode do people who were watching for the first time decide this is, yes, this is the show I'm sticking with. Mm. Uh, 5G was certainly an episode for a lot of people. Next week's episode, Babylon, <sighs> is... Gorgeous. Gorgeous. 
And it is definitely one of those episodes that that people, you know, if anybody is still on the fence, mm-hmm. Babylon is a is a page turner for sure. And we will see you next time. Bye, guys.